Welcome back to Night Cheese. This is Steven. And I'm Tim. We'd like to welcome you back. Uh, this week, we are closing out our series on Christopher Nolan with his uh, final uh, final film that's, that's available to watch outside of theaters, at least. Um, for this week's episode, we're titling Nolan's Guns and Ships. Um, we are prepared to talk about his 2017 film Dunkirk, his war film uh, that was nominated for Best Picture, the Academy Awards. Uh, the interesting discussion that was the only Nolan film that I hadn't seen prior to us tackling uh, oh, wow. this this project. Uh, yeah, yeah okay, so this was a, a first time viewing for me. Um, and we'll spend, I think, the end of the episode just talking about kind of Nolan's um, his library in general. Uh, and mm. kind of, kind of a, a retrospective from when we started this to uh, when we, when we, uh, now that we've ended it, we started this. Uh, Tim, we started this at the end of July, and here we are into mid-September. Wow. So uh, we we spent, oh you know, goodness. with uh, one, I say about a month and a half or so with a with a vacation and an interruption uh, to remember Chadwick Boseman. But uh, beyond that, uh, here we are at the end. And so here's Dunkirk. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, Dunkirk, as we already said, a 2017 film. It's a, it's a, it's a depiction of a real life event. The uh, the Dunkirk evacu- evacuation of World War II. Um, basically, uh, British and French forces are trapped um, in 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 Dunkirk, and uh, they're surrounded by German uh, German forces. Uh, the you know Axis powers and and uh, the the brief. It, it is a brief film, I think. I tried to look up the runtimes for following in Memento, but I think this might be his shortest runtime. It's definitely his shortest runtime mm-hmm. from his from his big budget titles. Yeah. Um, it, it, following may still be a little bit shorter, being that it was his first film and it was independent and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I think this might actually be his shortest film. It clocks in at 106 minutes. Oh. Uh, yeah, so under under two minutes, under under two under two hours, <laughs> um, <laughs> not that intense. Um, and so, uh, an, an interesting, um, interesting cast. Uh, you've got a Finn Whitehead, who is at least for me was an unknown um, coming into this. For me, I yeah. mean, he's 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 done some things, but I've, I've none that I've seen or, or recognized. Mm-hmm. Some of the big names from the cast, of course. Um, really, you have two. Two uh, Nolan alumni in this mm-hmm. film, uh, Cilli- Killian Murphy, um, who was in the, the Dark Knight trilogy, and also Tom Hardy, mm-hmm. uh, his one of his more recent repeats, um, uh, you know, Nolan, Nolan actors. Um, who, so I know we joked about it in the Batman episode, but once again, almost completely <laughs> covered. Mask. Yeah, face yeah. cover. <laughs> but I mean, to to see him like. Yeah, literally see him half of his face for most of the film. He's still it's still a better performance than most like just you know most uh, you know I don't know what most regular act- yeah most actors in general. I mean, he can pull off yeah so much more with so little. It's so he impressive. So- he was just so socially conscious, uh, conscious ahead of his time, you know. Um, <laughs> never afraid to wear a mask. No one exactly. cared who I was until I put on the mask. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was great. So you know, Tom Hardy uh, and Killian Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, recognizable from previous films. Uh, younger listeners would recognize Harry Styles, uh, who actually yeah. makes a, an appearance in this film as well. Um, from what, what boy band? Sorry, I'm, oh, I think uh, he's in. Gosh. Was it One Direction? Is he in One yeah, Direction? Yeah, I think One Direction. Okay, yeah. I, I, you know, I kind of he was stopped. kind of the Justin Timberlake, you know, the breakout post oh, okay. boy band. Now he's Gosh. doing all these, you know, albums and, um, yeah. Tim, Tim really does know. He's just playing the cards <laughs> close to the chest. It's okay. It's okay, everybody. Um, also on the on the other side of the spectrum, uh, in terms of age, uh, Kenneth Branagh is uh, yeah. as well as well as Mark Rylance, um, mm. who uh, I will say this is the, this is probably not Mark Rylance's most. Uh, what I'm about to allude to. This is not Mark Rylance's most famous role, but um, my wife and I were watching this and she walked out of the room for one of the scenes and she was like, who's talking right now? She's like, I know who that is. Like, like who, who is that? And I would go to pull up his, uh, his, um, 
his IMDb. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, I know it's like an animated film we saw or something. And I'm like, really? Okay. So in 2016, the year before, he was in Disney's The BFG, um, which he played the, oh, wow. the, titular, the titular character in that. And uh, and I don't, now that I'm pulling it up, I actually didn't notice. He was also the sort of Willy Wonka character of Ready Player One. Um, the the owner of the virtual game who was going to bestow mm, okay. it upon, upon the winner of his sort of challenge. Um, so anyway, uh, Mark Rylance was great in this film as well, and so um, quite a quite a broad spectrum of yeah. roles that he's he's had in his career. So what's um, so Dunkirk is a unique film, you know, um, for, for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, when you hear a World War II film, you kind of get an idea in your head as to what that's going to be about. And of course, yeah. being two, two Americans, I think we're probably used to seeing the American perspective of a World War II film, either that or the Holocaust, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I wouldn't say, at least in American film, there is an embarrassment of riches for World War II films that are from other allies' perspectives. So what works in its, uh, in its uh, advantage is sort of telling mostly an untold story, mm-hmm. at least for American audiences, which was the story of this evacuation. It was not this this great victory, um, but it was an evacuation. It was an act of survival um, as, um, as these Allied forces were surrounded and um, basically without hope. And they were in, in a... In a Sorry, in an act of retreating, and it was the and it is this is the story, um, which I don't know that it's real. T- I don't think it's it's real time, but it it almost the sense of urgency that Nolan puts in the film makes yeah. you feels like it it's real time, mm-hmm. at least. Um, and um, you know it's just the story of them their attempts to survive their evacuation attempts basically. Yeah. Um, so uh, Dunkirk it takes three different perspectives land sea and air um there's not actually you know it's so different from nolan's other films because nolan uh typically if you've been following our series um he builds so much on a character mm-hmm. and sort of world building uh lots of explanation for things mm-hmm. you think back to yeah. interstellar inception prestige like you have to understand the world that he's operating in mm-hmm. And you don't get that here. Like he yeah, just yeah. drops you. It's it's like 106 minutes of the first scene of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, like it's it's oh just it's just that. And and um and he he really um, Hans Zimmer really brings his A game for for everything for everything I've said about Hans Zimmer's giftedness to sort of really bring out the emotion of the film this is probably the most anxious of a score that he's put forth for a film. It's not my favorite, but, but I recognize his giftedness at the intensity of his scores. You know, we talked about that some with inception and with particularly with the dark Knight, with uh, the Joker scenes. And then I think we, we talked about it some in interstellar as well here, man, it's just like pressure, pressure, pressure. And the one thing that those other films had that this one didn't was a release. Like yeah. there's just no release in this film. Um, and until the very end, you mm-hmm. know, um, and even then there's a little bit of a cost in that. Um, yeah. so it's just, uh, it's just so unlike his other approaches to storytelling, mm-hmm. which on the one hand really shows another side of Nolan in uh and these sort of different uh these different decisions that he makes mm-hmm. um towards telling a story he yeah. doesn't you know it, it's it's strange he actually he has these multiple story arcs going on at the same time with land air and sea and stuff but you never really get too close to any of the characters you know mm-hmm. um yeah yeah for sure and I think back to when we we're talking about Inception and stuff, how we kind of levied that as a little bit of a criticism because it was like a blockbuster film and, you know, it was more about the, I don't know, I can't remember exactly what all we said, but I do remember being like, you know, you have this star-studded cast and you really don't get to know any of them that well, except for Leonardo DiCaprio and maybe Marion Cotillard. But here, like, I also feel like I didn't know any of the characters super well. 
yeah. but it didn't feel so much like a <laughs> it felt like every character was living on borrowed time yeah you know? so yeah. it was almost like we're not going to invest you too much because you mm-hmm. don't know how long they're going to be around and it was almost like you didn't need to know because your main concern yeah should i guess should be for their survival in the moment right. like it's you don't need to know you know certain backstory to, to kind of care you should care just because they're in a very dire situation yeah right yeah you know you bring up an interesting point tim like here this in this uh y- you know it, it's it's not that the other way is better or worse but yeah, you know, we yeah. talk about talk about you know the 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 journey of of the team and saving mm-hmm. private ryan right and you kind of get to know these characters what yeah, their quirks yeah. are and stuff like that and how great that is and how much that how much when you know there are deaths that take place there it, it means more and stuff like that but honestly when you're just thrown into the chaos of war it doesn't really matter how much you know about mm-hmm. your fellow soldier you just you've got to get out of there and yeah, you've got yeah. like the urgency and the will to live is enough mm-hmm. to make you want to care about somebody you know yeah um and, and it does kind of feel that way, uh, um, to an extent. Yeah. So it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very, I use different as the word I keep wanting to use. It's just such a different film from what I've become accustomed to mm-hmm. from him. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I mean, like I, you know, the, the, <laughs> This um this takes me back to us talking about like uncut gems and stuff mm-hmm. like which I you know was not a fan of, but one thing I did say about that film is that like whatever emotion or atmosphere it attempts to build is very successful. Yeah, what they do. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and I and I will share that compliment here with Dunkirk. Like I think it yeah. it's very intentional about the atmosphere it's trying to build in the film, and I think it it does a really good job with that. Um. And you know, yeah, definitely. You, you know a little bit about some of the characters and stuff. And I think the, the I don't know that I would say I'd like it, but I appreciate there. There's even a few scenes where some characters die kind of um, less than glamorous deaths, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't go to serve any greater purpose. And that's just kind of the senselessness of war mm. and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's a very, I don't know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very interesting, uh, some very interesting choices that are, that are made in the making of the film. Yeah, definitely. So I'll give a brief, just a brief background with my, my, uh, so I had the opposite viewing experience as you, or not opposite, but like a different, I, and, and it's weird because I don't do that with many, this with many films, but I actually saw this maybe opening night which oh yeah i was excited to see it but i don't i don't recall being opening day excited <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we we lucked out a, a, a small group of friends from work and saw it like in imax like 35 millimeter and mm. i will say it it was um it was amazing in that viewing it in that way because it really kind of put you in into the situation really well just with uh, you know, the usage of the, you know, just the larger screen, the sound mixing, all that. I mean, it really puts you in there. But I think the downside is it made me not, I feel like if I can't view it that way, it's not as, I don't know, it, it doesn't have the same, that same effect. I, yeah. It is one of those war films where I could see myself wanting to see it again. And I feel like there are some like maybe, maybe even Saving Private Ryan or others where it, there's a head, it's such a, like an emotional toll where it's hard to kind of, I feel like this one doesn't have quite that heaviness to it. So I, I could theoretically see myself watching it again, but uh, just on my kind of small TV, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't feel like it would have the same effect and be as, as gripping as it was, um, as was in the theater because just, I mean, it was just, uh, it was immense and it really kind of sucked you and you felt like you were there. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's, it, it is, a. It, an incredibly immersive experience. So, um, it does seem like from maybe from inception on, or maybe one of the early Batman films, like Mm -hmm. he was thinking with the bigger screens in mind, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, this certainly seems to fall in line with that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think watching it in that kind of context would definitely add more Mm -hmm. to that atmosphere, you know? Um, it is a um, boy, you know, it, 
uh, yeah, uh, just an immersive, um, immersive experience. Um, and you know, this is a, I'll admit some of the details of the film, like everything was so intense and just kind of relentless. Mm-hmm. It's hard to really remember it beat by beat, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I was just looking at the poster for it and um, the tagline is just really, uh, it's really sweet, um, which I feel like undersells a little bit, but mm-hmm. it says when 400,000 men couldn't get home, home came for them. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, one of the plot points here is especially the, the by sea, uh, element of the story is that they've recruited, uh, you know, the, the force British forces have recruited civilians, uh, who have boats and stuff to come to Dunkirk to help with the evacuation because the, um, the, the piece of the, of the world where this battle had taken place was not a high priority, um, in the list of, you know, battle strategy. Um, and so, you know, there are some throw kind of throwaway lines about how they're not going to send any major ships or anything out there to get them because they're saving them for bigger battles or directing them in other places and stuff. And, um, I, you know, there, there's a real, oh gosh, it's just some real heartbreaking scenes of like what appears to be relief only to turn into despair mm, yeah, um, oh, over yeah. and over again. And even what, what, um, what I never stopped to even think about it, it I, I'd say it, it opens up a new perspective on the emotional toll that war takes on our veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly in this situation, I've, I've never in my life thought about this notion, but there's a, seen pretty close to the end um where those who have survived have you know have survived and they're coming back um to to their mainland um one of the towns in in uh, britain and um so, and and you you rest on a couple of them and they're just so ashamed mm. to to be alive wow to be alive and to have surrendered and and, and retreated and um, they, you know, they're coming up to a train station where people are waiting to welcome them home and like they don't want to look anybody in the eye and stuff because they are so fearful that they're going to be rejected by their home uh, for failing, you know. Huh. And I've, uh, you know, I've never considered that to be a weight that someone would carry mm-hmm. uh, in that um because, you know, I mean, I've never served, so I mean, this is just not something that has, has come to mind. But, you know, that's not a thought I would ever have yeah. for for a soldier who would come home. I'm just like, <laughs> I would really more, you know, fall back on what actually happened in that scene, which choked me up so hard as this guy, turn, you know, the guy, he's he will he's sitting in the train car and he is, has his face away from the window. He's at the window yeah. seat. He's fitting away. And finally he keeps hearing tapping on his window. And it's just this old man who's got two open beers and he's trying to give him one, you know, he's like, you know, welcome back, man. Like, you know, just, um, and he's just, just celebrating, celebrating him being alive. And the that there is honor in 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 survival, you know. Yeah. Um, and just what a um, what a wonderful sentiment. They uh, one of the one of his like um, you know, partners uh, sit, sitting near him, um, pulls a pulls a newspaper, you know, from a from a newspaper kid. I don't know, back in the <laughs> old days of kids kids hawking newspapers on the on the train on the train platforms <laughs> and um he pulls a newspaper right away and starts reading like statements from churchill and stuff about how like yes we lost battles and that's not acceptable but you have to understand the value of being able to preserve you know the, the, this many lives and mm-hmm. and you know the fact that he they they he gets to read that validation um yeah in, in staying alive. Um, and I think, you know, we have become so for whatever reason we could riff for a long time on who might be responsible for these sorts of sentiments and stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, if we've taken our shots on and off show, uh, from time to time about this kind of idea, but this idea about winners and losers and war and, um, 
what courage really is and you know what is your worth if you're not a winner in armed conflict and this kind of stuff and um just what foolishness to to forsake the idea that a preserved life is is a win you know yeah um obviously obviously in battle there are wins and losses and and there are things gained and things and things fallen but um to to preserve the value of life in the midst of all that struggle and and horror is um is something worth celebrating and 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 uh embracing mm-hmm. and, and encouraging and so i think you know those moments at the end um for the people who do survive it's it's a really um it's it's a really Again, I guess surprising sentiment again. For, this is just such an odd film for Nolan. Yeah, for me. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's 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 a, it's a great film, and I probably I don't know I might not be so sh- shaken by it if it had been with anybody else. It's just you know you kind of come to anticipate him a little bit at this point, and so this is probably the least Nolanish Nolan film he's made, because um, just by looking at the trailers for tenant, I can tell you that's an old school Nolan film right there. Anyways, it's, <laughs> you know, yeah. A- action around a really weird plot device. Like that's, that's basically <laughs> what he does. Um, and so anyway, but, but this is, uh, it's unlike him. And, um, it's interesting that you can pull sentiment and, um, emotion from characters that you don't really spend a lot of time with Mm -hmm. you know you think about it it's such a short film but at the same time within that short film is three pretty equally distributed stories yeah um because it's not like we spend 80 percent of the movie at sea and 10 percent in the air and 10 percent that like it's it's pretty evenly distributed Mm -hmm. um um, between those thirds so you're really watching like three short films almost smooshed together as one story um, so you really don't have a lot of time to connect with anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, the fact that you're able to feel something, um, at the end is still really, it's a testament to the performances of the actors who, yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of them, like Killian Murphy did not, he didn't have, Killian Murphy and Tom Hardy both did not have very many lines at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody really had a ton of lines. Um, and it was so distributed amongst the cast. And so, um, you know, it's, it's just a really, it's, it's interesting how such few lines can carry so much weight. One, one line I didn't even mention was, and this is, you know, most of the sentiment and the gravity comes at the end. Mm -hmm. Once you realize, you know, where things are going to go from here. Um, and, uh, Kenneth Branagh had a great, uh, a great line, uh, at the end too, like when he has, he has waited to be, he's, he's a, uh, I don't, I don't know his military rank, but he's in charge. He's commander. Okay. okay. So, um, so he has waited to be the last person to leave with the last grouping of soldiers, uh, who can get on a ship and finally evacuate. And they turn to look back to me like, are you coming? And he goes, I'm going to, it, it should be noted that it is a British evacuation and there are still French soldiers there. And there was a small moment of tense, a few moments of tension between British and French soldiers because they would not allow French soldiers to join the evacuation, you know, in deference to the British soldiers because it was British citizens who were coming to rescue them, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just looks and he says, I'm, I'm going to stay behind and make sure the French get out of here, too. Wow. And like just that moment of humanity when you've experienced all this just mm-hmm. terror and stuff to to um show um sorry loyalty to your allies yeah. uh in that moment when it was not demanded of him uh either it's just um it's a really a really special thing wow. um and so there's not a um yeah you know this is going to be at least our discussion on dunkirk is, is going to be a bit of a short episode which is why we tried to fuse <laughs> 
the overall Nolan conversation in this yeah. episode as well. Cause, um, cause there's just not a ton to say, at least, at least for me, Tim, I'm, I'm going to yeah. shut up here in a minute and you say whatever you want, man. But, um, I don't have a ton to say about Dunkirk. It's, but it is great. It's got like a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think, mm-hmm. uh, it won several technical Academy awards, like sound editing, sound mixing, editing. It, it won all three of those. And, uh, Dunkirk was nominated for best picture and it was Nolan's first nomination for best director as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, really great, um, <clears throat> a lot of great film filming techniques and, and very well put together. Um, it's very brief, but it is very intense. Um, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel, it feels longer than it is because just no, there's just no release, uh, until Mm -hmm. the end, you know, um, which is, it's hard to pull off. Um, so it's worth seeing. Uh, I wouldn't see it if you're feeling particularly anxious that day. Um, but, when you can handle that, that's a, it's worth checking out. So, yeah. uh, all means check that out. And last I saw, I actually bought this on Amazon because I couldn't find anywhere to stream it. And it was on sale, like less than 10 bucks. So, uh, the Blu-ray and everything. So, wow. It's a uh, worth taking a look at. Mm-hmm. So what'd you think, Tim? Yeah. I don't have a ton more to add. I, I'm with you. I feel like our, our, I don't want our brevity to make it seem like we didn't like this film or that, um, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. So I really thoroughly enjoyed this. I felt like it was a very, if, if Chris Nolan were to make a war film, I, th- I feel like this is him. It's a lot of spectacle. He's really great at, um, you know, kind of a lot of the things we've talked about with like interstellar and inception, all these kind of blockbustery films. There is that similar kind of just immensity the the just really incredible filmmaking, um, but yeah, with the backdrop of war and this specific um, Dunkirk, it was just a, I, I think, I, you know, before this, I knew bits and pieces, but I did not realize just the immensity, like even looking up now that um, over 300,000 people were evacuated um, by those kind of ships, just civilians coming and rescuing. And I, what a, what an undertaking it was. It's a really impressive story. And I feel like he did a good really really great job in kind of putting you in it and um putting you in the, the fear of the people who were trapped you know you really mm-hmm. felt their sense of dread like there's no way out of this you know the ending you know they're going to be rescued mm-hmm. but still that sense of uh relief and joy when you see them arrive is like ah it's it's, it's there like you you knew it was going to happen but you're still just enraptured they're like oh okay <laughs> they've arrived <Yes. laughs> so uh yeah I, I i really enjoyed this a lot again i feel bad i haven't really seen it really recently but um it it's a it's a spectacle for sure it's really a uh, really great film and now again it's not you know not a favorite of mine in nolan's uh filmography but it's it's him kind of you know doing what he knows doing what he does best you know just a really really um gripping film that really kind of puts you in there. It's, it's really great. Yes. Well, um, you know, apologies to everyone who have come to expect a really long discussion <laughs> on particular films with us, but, uh, there's not really a ton more to say from us to Dunkirk. Uh, well done, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to kind of zoom out a little bit and sort of re revisit our, um, <clears throat> revisit our, rankings i suppose mm-hmm. um for the catalog christopher nolan uh, not including tenet since either yeah. of us have, neither of us have seen it um movie theaters uh in north carolina at least in my immediate area are still closed so mm-hmm. i don't know when i'll when i'll see it but um so uh tim had a good idea that to, to uh in order and rather than us going through their entire rankings but really uh to to vex us a little bit um we he has uh you know including dunkirk but not including um <clears throat> not including tenant uh he has 10 films mm-hmm. uh that's also including following um so what we're going to do is pick our five favorites um and have any of those changed i'm going to i'm going to ask this as well Ooh, uh, when oh, you give man. your when you give your five 
have any of those changed from what maybe you brought mm. into this. Mm. Um, and if you haven't, then you haven't. Um, but yeah. I don't know how you want to do this. Do you want to go one Good at question. a time or do you want to um, just spit your five out and then I can spit my five out? How do you want to do it? How would you, would you want to do back and forth, like a back and forth type thing? Yeah, or? let's do a back okay. and forth. That way, if you say one that's on my list, I will also say that. And yeah, yeah, we yeah. Won't have to. Okay. That sounds awesome. All right. So you can start. Okay, sure. Man, this is, <laughs> it's funny. I suggest this, but then it got really hard trying to, uh, <laughs> uh, where is it at? Oh man. What's well, good because this way you have the controversy of, of inevitably knocking some of these out because I would say yeah. so amongst our listenership, I would think probably seven out of the 10 mm-hmm. might be givens. So there's oh, going to yeah. be one or two yeah. that are not going to make the list yeah. that some mm-hmm. people feel differently about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my number five, uh, is my five. Yeah. My number five is inception. You're going you're going from five to one. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. Or would you... Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I'm okay. just, just following it because I'm going to have to think <laughs> about know. what my, I'm going to have to think about what my order is because I just oh. picked five. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I will, uh, I, I will, I will do that. Oh, no. Okay. You no, should, no, it's okay. Gonna... It won't be, it won't be hard because okay. my, uh, a few of my top ones remain unchanged. So oh, cool. You mean while you're doing that, I can explain why. I've... Yes, please or do. Maybe not explain, but I will say this one might be my biggest surprise. I, and, and this this is saying this. I really enjoyed the film when it came out. Like there was nothing wrong with it, but I I think I just had this idea in my head that over time uh, it just wouldn't hold up as well. All the things that bugged me about it originally would just bug me even more. I don't know. I just had a lot of kind of mixed feelings. But watching it again, despite definitely having those little complaints here and there, um, they didn't go away. I, there was more that I appreciated this time around that I think made up for it. I feel like um, some of the story that I just kind of, I think I was so taken in by the, by the, uh, again, the spectacle of it all and the, the kind of, you know, the way Nolan tries to kind of just twist and, you know, just create all these twists. And um, I think originally I was kind of more caught by that. And this time around um, a lot of, you know, the, the relations between Cobb and Mal and, how that you know what happened there um there's a lot more to the story that i appreciated this time around um so inception yes yeah, for me number five okay uh well here's our first deviation inception didn't make my list oh nice okay cool so my number five here we go <sighs> my number five is the dark knight Whoa. um which uh, was higher originally mm-hmm. it was when i ha- about halfway through these episodes or even right at the very beginning mm-hmm. i just just brain farted out the whole list and and yeah. what my what my presuppositions would have been on what i thought my favorites were yeah. and it was number 3 in my list at that time yeah um dark knight of, of course it's it's listen it's a phenomenal film okay mm-hmm. we're about to go through in my opinion five different cuts of steak uh when when it <laughs> when it comes to these five like we it's the pixar problem which i've said before in previous episodes where like they're all good like so we don't really need to argue mm-hmm. numbers so much um yeah, but yeah. this is this is my opinion on that um dark knight has slipped more uh and i, I have to thank night cheese for that and in that <laughs> um heath ledger is transcendent yeah he might be the singular best acting performance in any of Nolan's films. Hmm. But that's kind of that, that it's, it's a really singular foundation for that film. There, hmm. there, there, in uh, the discussion that we had and the more I thought about it, there, there are more flaws in that film. And listen, me talking about this film, having flaws and things I don't like about it. Listen, I still love it. It is, yeah. it is, it is it is a light year between Dark Right Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises for mm-hmm. how much I appreciate it, you know? But in thinking about it more and in terms of an entire film and not just the Heath Ledger Joker movie, yeah. Um, it slipped a little bit for me. Um now obviously there's there's so much there's so much iconic stuff. You're gonna meet people who are gonna who are gonna say this is the best comic book movie of all time and we'll go to their grave saying that. But um I think 
that a lot of that is just pouring praise on the back of Heath Ledger, um, which, which is not saying that praise is unwarranted, but I don't think, I don't think the entire rest of the film deserves to share in that praise. Mm -hmm. Um, there, again, there's, there's some awesome, awesome stuff in it as just, um, I, uh, there were four other films that Nolan's made that I think have a, are a better summation yeah. of, of that. So that Dark Knight is my number five. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we yeah, not too much of a deviation. I my number four is also Dark Knight. Hey, okay. Or, yeah. Um, and I I was slightly torn on this one whether it be my four or five. Um, because yeah, again, like Joker's transcendent. I really love what they did pushing the uh mythology the philosophy of you know like batman gotham city I, I really liked the continuation from batman begins but yeah i think i did have problems with with the ending and even you know after i thought about this i don't know if this came up even after um in our conversation but even i don't know if to me the last sort of um uh showdown kind of between joker and batman left me a little a little uh wanting yeah, and I think a lot of it is you, you. I think you said this is um just just any sort of combat combat like physical whatever between Joker and Batman. There's, there's really no there's there's no th- real threat like to Batman, and so they had to use like you know you know Joker had dogs and I mean it, I don't, I don't know for some reason it it wasn't um I didn't I didn't love it 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 didn't like I don't know it didn't grab me as much of like as a final confrontation between the two, you know, as I, I feel like I should have, but, um, well, yeah, their, their conflict was always cerebral. Ex- yeah, know? totally. Um, yeah. versus Ra's al Ghul versus, Oh yeah, for sure. Bane, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those were physical, Definitely. uh, foes. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So that's your number four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, my number four, here we go. Um, Batman begins. Uh, I'm ranking Batman Begins above the Dark Knight. Um, I think I have Jared to thank thank for that uh, as well. And 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 going back to our episode, um, I cared more. Um, now I'd say the only I'd say the only thing that well, there's okay two things two things the Dark Knight does better than Batman Begins is um, <clears throat> they're Rachel is better in the dark Knight, but that's not really high praise. Um, mm-hmm. and then, and then there's the ledger of it all. But, um, I think, um, Batman begins has the best Batman origin story mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Um, paying attention to it. I think it does, um, a lot of justice, no pun intended to, um, to the Wayne family. And, um, it definitely shows Bruce trying to figure out how to be Batman. Um, it, and it also shows him, you know, before he takes on the big villains, mm-hmm. you get a taste of him being Batman to your everyday street criminals too. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's the mob, so it's not really everyday street <laughs> criminals, but, um, but his, his sort of, um, uh, his sort of petulant attitude as, as like moody Bruce Wayne before he becomes, um, before he t- goes out to, to train and be Batman mm-hmm. when he approaches Falcone and Falcone just blows him off as some, you know, just overprivileged rich boy, which yeah. he was at that point. He thought he was a tough guy and he didn't know anything about being a tough guy at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Falcone snuffed it right, sniffed it right out of him. Um, and that was really disarming. Uh, and also Tom Wilkinson was just, just so great in that scene. Um, it made me wish there was more of uh, Killian Murphy as the scarecrow. Mm-hmm. I think his, yeah. you know, over prescribing psychiatrist, lens to uh you know criminal psychiatrist lens to the scarecrow was Mm -hmm. a really good angle on that and um it since gotham was the thing that was under attack it really if you paid attention to it the film did a good job of making you care about what gotham is 
including its flaws and how the Waynes learned to love it anyway. Mm. Like how the Waynes were committed as a family, were committed to fight for the best of Gotham and how that part never really left Bruce. Um, and how fighting for Gotham was not only a thing that Bruce adopted into himself, but it was also like this one last thing he had of his family. And for anybody who's ever lost their parents, um, holding on to some tangible thing that reminds you of what you've lost is something you'll you'll fight to the death for to maintain and so you you know that kind of contributes there um as well and then um gosh there was another part to batman begins that i really thought was super well done i mean you know your first time seeing batman in action is exactly the way i wanted to see it happen like him lurking lurking in the dark corners striking Mm -hmm. You know, that that sort of, you know, um, stalker horror villain kind of approach, um, which was so, so good. Um, And the um, and and it was so it's so funny to say this about a superhero film, because obviously you have to suspend disbelief. But there were very logical consequences. One of the bigger criticisms I had about The Dark Knight was um, some of the ways they had to make Batman look like a vigilante when he was still helping everybody, yeah. you know, um, and their rationale for that. But when Batman was put in that position um, as a vigilante and, and all this other stuff, you know, you th- there were very logical reasons why he had to operate sort of outside or adjacent to the law without being able to actually confront them and tell them that he was on their side and stuff. It, just the movie made a lot more sense. And if you were to take any singular story of Batman period thus far, um, you know, Robert Pattinson, notwithstanding, we'll see what happens there. I'm very excited about that. Um, I think Batman begins is your best beginning to end. Yep. Uh, Batman movie. So that's my number four. I said way more than I intended. No, it's okay. But, but I felt like I needed to to rationalize and justify to our listeners why I ranked it over the dark Knight. Oh, well, I'm glad you did. Which, which still made my list, everybody. So just calm down. Yeah. <laughs> or upset about that. No, I'm glad you did because number three is Batman Begins. <laughs> hey. So it, it ranked higher too. Tim's like, oh yeah? What's well, my number three, yeah. jerk? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm like, everything I'm you kidding. said, it was perfect because like that's, yeah, that's, uh, there. it just as a comprehensive singular story, uh, as an origin story that doesn't, it it does a lot of origin stories like nothing and i, I love spider-man nothing is there's a lot of stories where you feel like okay we just got to get through this you know where blah, blah blah like it feels like it's just something you're kind of like okay i know we gotta we gotta deal with this and bruce it 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 felt it felt like almost the entire film was an origin story like it felt like the point that was a point you know instead of it being just this kind of first act you know we gotta get mm-hmm. we gotta do this first it 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 did it really just helped helped you kind of reframe even superheroes and why, what's the purpose. Um, it, it just, yeah, it made superheroes like kind of like, Oh, this isn't, yeah, I don't know. I, well, it was great. Another thing that it did brilliantly well, and thank you for talking about that with the origin story too, because we've seen Bruce's parents get killed so many times. Yeah. And, um, and before I get to my point, I'll I'll drag this out a little bit longer because that's what I do on this show. Is um, you've got um, the, you know it's in the title Batman Begins. Like we we it's probably the first story I can remember where we see Bruce Wayne become Batman. Like mm-hmm. you just kind of see like his parents die, and now we're gonna flash forward into the present time, and he's Batman. Yeah, and that's why he's all messed up. Yeah. but you know you see you know. But you really spend more time with that, and it doesn't spend too much time. You know, the fact that it takes almost an hour before he puts on the suit. Yeah. Uh, normally, that's been a criticism um, of Batman in previous films. Like in the Burton film, that was a criticism mm-hmm. I heard that he, other than you see him in the opening scene, you don't really see him again until almost an hour into the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but this time, you you do see him being Batman, but he just doesn't have the mask on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think this is another... Um, Another interesting thing I've I've liked about Batman as a character and Bruce Wayne that I, that I will obviously you know attribute to other people it's certainly no original thought of mine and may even be in some of the comics too is that his real mask is Bruce Wayne yeah like Batman is who he is um, and Christian Bale's portrayal of Bruce Wayne as mm-hmm. as basically 
a a vigilante who is pretending to try to be a normal citizen or a normal wealthy citizen of Gotham. Like his sort of um, going back and seeing it now, like when he's trying to protect people who are at his house for his birthday party and he has to act like a like a snobby jerk to get everybody to leave the building and stuff. And like his way of just being just alienating himself from everybody to try to protect them and stuff. And and um, and his whole like. Oh gosh, it's it's still pretty satisfying because I think we all have sort of um, inappropriate delusions of wanting wealth <laughs> in our lives. But whenever he just walks into the restaurants, it's like, oh no, I'm I'm buying this hotel, yeah. so we can put these tables together now. Talk to your manager, kind of thing. You know, it's just so snotty and yeah. like, but you but you know he's trying to he he has a he has an angle at, at play mm. like he's really not interested in any of this kind of stuff but yeah. he's willing to play it up and so he the way he sort of wears the mask of Bruce Wayne is is really well done he had, uh, yeah. better better than any of the other ones i, I would say you know um so yeah so batman begins was your number 3 mm. right okay so we're moving to my number 3 so this this one was probably my biggest surprise for me um, that, that I didn't think would rank so highly. Um, but my number three was, uh, interstellar. Nice. Um, okay. so interstellar was a complete, uh, I'm over inflating and I wouldn't call it a game changer, but it was, it was the biggest surprise to me upon a second mm-hmm. viewing. Like I, I've, I liked it, uh, fine the first time I saw it, but, um, I think I have been through life enough from the last time I saw it to now. Mm-hmm. to get a completely different feeling of it. It has, it really has, um, it's not, I wouldn't say it's the perfect Nolan movie because I've ranked two films ahead of it, but I think it is, might be one of the best samplers of all of the Nolan trademarks in one wow, film. Oh yeah. Because you've got some of the repeat actors that he has. You have Anne Hathaway, Michael Caine, um, others um anyway and um you've got some sort of difficult to comprehend central thing um which is space travel um you've got intensely beautiful visuals so you've got and and you've also got a very small emotional character driven story because it's, it's almost kind of like the past meets mm. the future of Nolan in one yeah. film. Like his early oh, wow. films were all about character development. His later films were much more about spectacle than anything else. And even though we just previously talked about Dunkirk, like it carries that same high stakes um, uh, urgency yeah. as well. Um, that doesn't really come into play until once they're out in space and they start talking about how time fluctuates and all this other stuff. But once you realize what's at stake at that, it's, it's, it's great. And it, and it might, um, you know what, Tim, for, for my sense of humor, it might be his funniest film too. Um, his not, oh, okay, not, okay. Yeah. not throughout, but it might have the funniest jokes to mm-hmm. me, yeah. um, which is Matthew McConaughey's relationship with the robot. Yeah. Yeah. Is um, is is what I imagine what Luke Skywalker and R two D 2s relationship would be like if we could understand R two D two. You yeah. know, like <laughs> it, it um, yep. it's it's pretty, um, uh, pretty amusing there with McConaughey's really dry um wit about him and mm-hmm. and um, it's it might be I might be speaking too soon. It might be my favorite McConaughey movie. Mm-hmm. Um, although that wouldn't be some great controversial statement. I'm sure others feel that way. Yeah. Um, and. The ending is a little, is a little abrupt, I guess. Um, but really, you know, the old adage of about, you know, it being about the journey and not the destination, um, is, is really heavy in this one too. The ending isn't, the ending isn't bad, but, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel like enough of, I don't know if it feels like enough of a release for all of the gravity that you have to hold. No pun intended. Um, (laughs) when you get there. Yeah. So that's probably why it's not number one for me, but, um, I was just so surprised and it might be, uh, the Batman scores are really good too, but it might be my favorite Zimmer score mm-hmm. for, for, um, for what it does with the material. Yeah. 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 Nice. So what's that's your awesome. number two, Tim? 
Oh man, number two. So I will say my last two. Ah, oh, it was really tough, and it's almost could be. Full. I mean, it, they're so close to each other. Yeah, my one and two. I literally swapped places with them when we were having this conversation. I, yeah, so I, I, it, yeah, they're moving around. My number two is Memento. Okay. And ah, man, I feel like we really heaped a lot of praise on it in the episode. It it just, yeah, it it is. It is one of those films that you, and I know we've, I feel like I'm just repeating stuff we've said before, but it just helps you realize, oh, there are things that haven't been done before. There is original, like originality exists. You can still be surprised. You can still like just be completely um, just, uh, yeah, just, you could just be completely surprised by, by film. And that one, I just feel like every step of the way, what he did to put you in the main character's perspective of having, you know, short-term memory loss, not knowing what's happening. You don't know why these people are shooting at you. Neither does he like, (laughs) it just, it, ah, just pulled everything off so well. And also like the, the kind of tragic ending, it, it just does it all really well. And for such a small budget for, uh, you know, it's just small setting just in LA, just it, it's just a very, very impressive, very just totally unique film that just really works so well. I mean, it, it just everything about it works so well. So, yeah, um, I love this movie. Awesome. Well, my number two, also Memento. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so, it, interestingly enough, um, you know, I was talking to my brother, uh, my big brother, a, a few weeks ago when we were talking about movie experiences with our dad and stuff. And he had told me, um, you know, I don't remember a lot about going to see the movies with, with our dad before I was born. Mm -hmm. He's six years older than me. So he would have gone a little bit when he was a kid. He says, but there are some experiences I still remember being here Mm -hmm. and he's in his forties now and I'm almost there myself. And so, but he was telling me he remembered seeing, I think he said Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, and he remembered seeing Star Wars and he was very young when he would have seen Star Wars. He says, but I still have that image in my mind of being in the theater. And, you know, there's just some things, if you're a fan of film, there are some films that are sort of your, your landmark moments, like your, that these, these memorial headstones of film that you will go back and be like, I remember when I saw this film at this point in my life, nothing was the same after that for one reason or another. And Memento completely changed the way um, the way I carried expectations for film after mm, that. Yeah. Like, I didn't even know this was possible, and now why aren't the rest of you doing it? You know? Um, not necessarily the exact nonlinear storytelling that Nolan took on in this film, but clearly he created something different. And, um, and he did it, too, with... Uh, yeah, I'm going to be showing myself here a little bit, but I was probably 19, I think, when I saw this, 19 or 20. And in my mind, I'm like, this guy did a revolutionary piece of filmmaking, and he did it with people who were like side characters. You know, like Guy Pierce, Carrie Ann Moss, none of these people, with all due respect and all the wonderful roles they are remembered for, um, they were not, in my opinion, marquee names at that point. I, I literally was thinking to myself, oh, the guy from The Count of Monte Cristo and the guy from and the girl from The Matrix and the guy that was in The Goonies, you know, uh, you know, I'm thinking of them, them from other side role, side character mm. roles they had. And he he creates this unforgettable thing. And, and, and not only is it unforgettable, but like, I, I don't know if any of you understand, I'm sure I'm sure you do, but like probably don't think about it like a nerd like me fixates on this, something like this, but how hard it is to find a, a plot twist contingent film and make it rewatchable mm-hmm. beyond two viewings. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like the sixth sense. Great, great film. Really? Yeah. And I sincerely mean that, but I probably, three maybe three times is enough for me and that might have been the number of times i've seen it um and i'm not taking anything away from that i don't know how many times i've seen memento and that's not because i didn't get everything but it's just so crazy experiential to be dropped into that universe and 
and experience things the way Leonard does. And like, and, and after you already know what's going on, you can yeah. like examine the motivations of other characters during scenes. Like, are mm-hmm. they being genuine right here or are they messing with him? Yeah. Did they, did they, were they ever not messing with him? Did they, mm-hmm. did they ever mean, you know, and it's just really, really transformative stuff. Yeah. Um, it is, um, it is the first, uh, you know, I was, I was, I, you know, go back and listen to our following memento episodes. Uh, I, I, uh, Nolan begins is what it's called. If you're looking in our, in our archives mm-hmm. and, uh, go back and listen to more on that. But the, I, I was knee deep into like detective and crime films and stuff like that at that point yeah. and just didn't realize how good I didn't have it yet. Um, until this film came along and it is, it, it was a trendsetter. Um, it's, it's, you know, retroactively, it deserves so much more credit than it ever got. Yeah. And, um, it's just, yeah, it is, it's highly, no pun intended. It's highly memorable. Um, and, and, uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, man, it's just a great, it, it's, it's amazing to see how he did so much with so little. Mm-hmm. Um, in that film, uh, because yeah. there's not many locations. There's maybe three, four locations, I think, in that film. It's only like three, four main characters. Like, you know, the even the action sequences that are intense and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not big. Yeah, yeah. You saw like maybe one car window gets shot out. That's probably like mm-hmm. the most dangerous thing that happens. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, as far as effects go. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's really. It's it's a different it's a different film, and there's oh, just yeah. nothing like it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. All right, time for number one. Did we pick the same number one? You know, and now, now that we've gone this far, you haven't mentioned it, and I I really feel like we might have picked the same I, one. I don't I like see we how to. we did. I don't see how yeah. we didn't because if this didn't make your top five, we this might be our last episode. No, really. Okay, yeah. Okay, well then, my number one and probably Stevens is. Should, should we count it? Yeah. Should we say at the same time? Three, two, one, and then one. Yeah. Three, three two, two, one. one. Prestige. Prestige. Yeah. All right. Very good. We're, we're night. Jesus. Still gonna happen, everybody. <laughs> Thank goodness. No, I, I didn't mean that. Even if it's at the bottom, <laughs> we still keep doing this. <laughs> oh, can man. I tell you? Can I? Can, we can just talk about this together. I guess sure. since it's like number one. I, to be honest, this is so fickle. But I love Prestige and Memento so much. Yeah. I just went with Prestige because it had a happier ending. <laughs> yeah, it does have a happier ending. Yeah, no, it was hard because I feel like they both do so much so well. But I guess in the end, I feel like the Prestige was kind of like, it just, that's not, when I think of Nolan, I think of that film and what he wants to pull off in movies. I feel like yeah. that's when, I mean, granted, everything did go as planned in Memento. Like everything connected perfectly there too but something about the prestige it just felt like this this embodies nolan you know uh, even in a magic the prestige the turn or um the oh my goodness the pledge the pledge the turn the prestige like all of it that it's that in a movie it's it's so it's it it works so well the jumping through time the uh, the 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 twist, the sci-fi element, like all of it, just really connects. It was like it's almost like Memento. Like it, let's just kind of go through his catalog a little yeah. bit. I'm not. <laughs> this isn't going to work for every film, so I'm going to cherry pick them. But it's kind of like following. If he was a musical artist, following was his demo tape, yeah. and. <laughs> Memento was his like indie release yeah. that all of the hipsters are always going to say is his best album. And prestige was like his massively in, in terms of what I enjoy mm-hmm. was like yeah. his mass massively accessible major label debut. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there were films that came between Memento and prestige, but um, because the branding of what Nolan does that you see happen in following that graduates to memento. And while neither of those films are really about magic or anything, the way that he plays with nonlinear storytelling, like how he, he kind of, he, he keeps getting better equipment to work with, you know, yeah, um, yeah. he, he, he still has that, those same chops for storytelling, but now he gets to do it with even higher level actors. Mm-hmm. Now he gets to do that. This is the first, I mean, Batman begins. Yeah. Okay. 
which I've already said everything I'm going to say about Batman Begins, but he gets Christian Bale to work with now and Hugh Jackman. And I'm telling you, those two guys, man, oh, gosh, so well together. I know I, I hated on Scarlett Johansson um, a bit uh, when we did the episode, and and, and that was not great. I, I'll admit, yeah, it, it was still kind of weak, but she wasn't so important to the story mm-hmm. that any anything lacking in her was going to take away from the story. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael Caine, great. And like, and, oh, and, go, and yeah. again, going back to Memento, like this also carries with it. And, and, and other people may, may, may not feel the same, but uh, I stand by what I say. These prestige and Memento, both of those films are plot twist, heavy films that you can continue to go back and watch. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, I know people might say, Stephen, well, what's the difference really between prestige and the sixth sense? You know, because you said you can only watch that a few times. I'm telling you, like it's more, it, it is so, um, you know, oh gosh, oh, I'm trying to think of the scene. It's at the end when Jackman or Bale are having that conversation, and and and, and Bale straight up tells you, he goes, "The real mystery is when we would trade places." Hmm. Um, and and that is the beauty of rewatching it is going yeah. back and seeing which Christian Bale is in this scene right now, hmm. and like it's really for for me, anyways, it's really fun to fi- to try to figure that out earlier on in the film. Like yeah. the earlier the, in the film, the better, um, mm-hmm. because, but because you don't even detect the mood swings hardly. Like yeah. you think he's being provoked into anger by Jackman's character or something, but I'm like, mm, I don't know if the other Bale would have reacted this way, you know. You know and just mm-hmm. it just gives you a lot to think about, and it's just very fun. Um, but yeah, uh, all in all, Prestige had a happier ending for me on Memento, so I just I kind of flipped an emotional coin with that. <laughs> um, tomorrow, if I'm feeling depressed, I might have a different answer for you. So, but yeah, Prestige and Memento are really more of a one and one A for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so too. Same here. Yeah. So. I feel like Dave, that's that's been there. I, it just that's like. Top shelf Nolan. I mean, that's him hitting everything. I mean, it, it's it's so good. Mm. Well, guys, um, tell me what do you think uh, of Nolan's films? What are your f- favorite five Nolan films? Um, we're getting a lot of activity lately on Instagram. Uh, Night Cheese with Stephen on Instagram. Uh, followership is growing by the day, so feel free to join us, engage with us there. Uh, mm-hmm. We typically only post uh, on episode day when things launch, but uh, we're highly interactive. Uh, if, if you guys ever want to reach out to us, uh, we're also on again on Facebook, Night Cheese Podcast with Stephen and Tim, and on Twitter at Pod Night Cheese. Give us a follow there, um, and we'd be highly interested to uh, see what you guys think about Nolan's body of work. Um, have you seen Tenet? What do you, where do you think it lands? Uh, because neither of us have. Uh, so hopefully you wore a mask and stayed six feet away from somebody and, um, <laughs> and watched it. Um, so uh, I will take a, take a moment before we wrap up and I give my sign off here. Um, <clears throat> we are uh, excited to present to you next week. Um, now that we're done with Nolan, uh, we have already wrapped an episode with our friend Jared on HBO's series, the leftovers. Um, so that'll be coming at you next week. And then for the month of October, um, I want to thank in advance our listeners who participated in, uh, some horror film nominations. We're actually yeah. going to be going through films that you nominated. So, um, you'll be seeing some, uh, Jordan Peele, uh, films, uh, some Alfred, some Alfred Hitchcock, uh, Stanley Cooper. We actually have a special surprise, um, which actually I'm, I'm the worst. Uh, you can ask my wife about this. Um, I don't keep surprises very well. I tell you I have a surprise and like 10 minutes later, I'm like, Hey, you, you want to know what that surprise was? Um, the happy news, uh, for those of you is we're working on giving you a bonus episode in October because many of you nominated Stephen King's the shining and, um, surprise we actually recorded an episode on the shining uh <laughs> like two months ago three months ago yeah or, it's been a while uh, i, I want to say it was in april or may um <laughs> but we were ahead of schedule with recording and we've just never published it so yeah. uh we're going to publish that episode we we have a bonus episode with um i i covered the shine it was the first time i ever watched the shining mm. um and tim uh recommended the tv series better carl saul the uh the follow-up to breaking bad mm-hmm. so we talked about both of those shows which you know better call Saul, not too scary yeah. but you know um but still it's a it's a nice breath 
breath of fresh air. Um, so we'll be posting that sometime in October. Be on the lookout for that. And um, some some other films that have uh, troubled us in the past or some that we've just been morbidly curious about. Um, so um, I think uh, we're, we may try to entice Jared to join us for one of those too mm-hmm. um, if, he's, if he's not busy. Uh, and his busy schedule so anyways uh, continue to join us and and give us any recommendations for scary films that that really creep you out in the month of October let us know what you think of Nolan's uh, biography Nolan's catalog of films and uh, Tim are we we leaving anything out no I think we hit it all I think alright well thank you guys for joining us this week uh, for Nolan Guns and Ships um, and for all the Nolan episodes. really appreciate you guys listening to us and giving us your feedback and just joining us for just two dudes who like to talk about movies. So um, we'll be we'll see you next week with The Leftovers and then onward into October for some um, scary movies. So until then, keep working on your night cheese. Three, Three, two, two one. one. Prestige. Prestige. Yeah. All right. Very good. We're, we're night. Jesus is still going to happen, everybody.